1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal. Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Leaving it late at Molyneux in the Premier League, snatching a point from the jaws of defeat against Newcastle. Next up, though, it's FA Cup weekend, notably the fifth round. We talk our chances and the side that should play. We also talk to Dan White, who works for Bristol City. Will he give us any insider knowledge? We also talk kick it out and everything else in between too. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the 77 Club. Your pundits this week are Harry Mansell. Hello everyone. Jack Williams. Hi there. And Dan Baylis. You've changed the order. Changed Hello, Wolves fans. Confused and Harry, we will start with the socials. <laughs> yeah, the Wolves 77 Club on Instagram and Facebook, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast, please rate us and subscribe. Cheers. Wolves 1, Newcastle 1. Let's go through the team very quickly. Patricio, Bennett, Cody, Bolly, Doherty, Dendonka, Neves, Matinho, Johnny, Jimenez and Jota. Harry, strongest team possible, but it was one of those games in the end, wasn't it? Big on possession, big on shots, but it just wasn't happening. No, um, same team as Everton. So it, before the game, I did think to myself, the last time we won 3-1 away in really good style, we had a home game, the next one where we should have won, which was Palace and lost 2-0. So I was going into it with a bit of fear and uh, we had a bit of an off day. Newcastle set up very negatively and had a game plan and I didn't think we were going to score, but thankfully, right at the end, Bolly got us that equaliser. And I think on the, the, the game as a whole, I think we did deserve the draw in the end Jack it was a a huge game and a huge opportunity to get three points as we say a little bit disappointing but we talked about how good Benitez is as a tactician and it almost paid off yeah I was under no illusions that this was going to be a very tough game I know we've had a a good run of results and looking at the the four games we had starting with Newcastle as I said on the previous podcast that you know they're all winnable games but in the Premier League you know it's, it's never that simple and I knew it was going to be a real test on Monday night and as it turned out to be the real positive, though, is that we kept on plugging away and eventually got something because, I'll be honest, I thought we were beat. I th- thought we were done. Just nothing would seem to be coming off for us. Um, 
we obviously we had those two sort of close range headers, the one that Jimenez put over, the one that Doherty sort of obviously had a foot in his face, but uh, sort of ducked out of. And it just didn't look like it was going to be our day. Jimenez came, it cut in towards the end and had a shot which just went miles over. And at that point I thought, no, that's it. We're not scoring today. But then out of nowhere, and obviously in somewhat controversial circumstances, Newcastle fans may say, we, we, we got our goal. And I think on the balance of play, 1-1 is a fair result from that game, but I, you know, I wouldn't have also begrudged Newcastle their win. But on the bands of play, I'm happy we got a point, and I think it was deserved. Bayless, did you cash out? <laughs> I did. You did. I did. You I'm really it. sorry. I'm sorry. Although looking back, it was completely it the right, was right decision. decision. Yeah. Um, yes. Weird game. Weird game on the whole. I thought it just went. It ebbed and flowed in the point that Newcastle had two good spells of ten minutes and got a goal in one of them. We created lots of chances but had some pretty lacklustre efforts on goal and then eventually got our rewards right at the very, very end. A couple of points I do want to make because um, I've had just a lot of crying and bitching and moaning from Newcastle fans online. Point number one, it wasn't a foul. The guy was, the ball was over his head. He was diving backwards. He was nowhere near it. Massive keeper error. Well done to the ref for sticking by his guns, not overly protecting keepers when they cock up. Number two, it was in the 95th minute but the fat Spanish waiter made a sub on 90 minutes and it is a minimum of four minutes added time. So he wasted a minute. So if anything, there was still 20 or 30 seconds left to play of what the actual game should have been. Ran over. Just to put a little bit of context on that bet, it was um, two shots on target each for Rondon and Jimenez, wasn't it? And at half time, it was. it was looking quids in, wasn't it? Yeah, Rondon had his two and Jimenez had one. Yeah. yeah. And I cashed it. How much did he get for it, Dan, in the end? £43.62. pence. Oh, not bad not for a fiver. Not too not bad. bad for a fiver. Harry, what were your thoughts? Because I think as soon as that looping cross, I mean, everyone's been singing Traoré's praises and I'm, I'm not going to have any of it because it was a terrible cross that landed inside <laughs> the six-yard box. So, I mean, in, in 99 times out of 100, the keeper's going to catch that. Luckily for us, it was the 100th time. So I just want your thoughts on that to begin with and hopefully I've ruffled a few feathers there. <laughs> what I will say is I thought the Newcastle goalkeeper his name uh, passes me by now but I thought he had a good game on the whole throughout of it. Obviously Dubrovka. That's him. Bayless mentioned um, some of our lacklustre finishing but I thought he had a good game in the hole and right at the end he let himself down but like I said I thought we deserved it and talking about goalkeepers goalkeeping errors has been a big theme the last few weeks hasn't it on this podcast and Patricio for their goal kicks out of play trying to find Doherty I think it is right wing back and then they have a shot and he goes to his near post and he's had a bit of a mare there so two weeks in a row now we've got our goalkeepers both having a bit of a nightmare so I still wanted to play against Bristol. I'm sure we'll come on to that, but that was unfortunate to see. And I thought after the trip to Marbella with the sun and all that, I thought they'd be well up for this and I thought we'd turn Newcastle over. But a combination of Benitez's good tactics and most of the lads not being on form, we didn't do that. But we got the draw and that's a sign of a good team that we played terrible and still scraped a result out of it. Yeah, I'll follow up on that, Harry. I did say lacklustre finishing. Keeper did make three or four good saves, in all fairness. And then Sam, Traore... Funny that he puts these crap crosses in, but he's created a lot of goals from doing what he does, knocking it past players, get to the byline, get it in. He's done it now five, six times. And although we all find him really frustrating, and I swear at him as much as anybody else, he is effective. Am I the only one who, as soon as he hit that cross, thought that's gone out of play? Where is that going? That has gone. <laughs> Just to call you out on that, Dan, uh, Adama Traore has one assist this season in all competitions. <laughs> That can't be true. No, you got Doherty's one as well. Can't be right. Yeah, in the Premier League then, and he's Maybe. definitely been in the build-up of a couple of games. I'll have, I obviously don't know. You've got the stats in front of you clearly, but he's been involved in quite a few goals. <laughs> I'm not just making it up. <laughs> well, he definitely was involved in the Shrewsbury one. It was weird because he come on right wing back, didn't he? Because we brought already brought Costa and Cavan. He was playing right wing back, and uh, it worked out in the end. He's so annoying to watch. So it's just not so very good at football, though, is he? I mean, how many times? No, that's that, what I mean, it is, isn't it? You know. Is that he just runs into people quite a lot? But but he he always gets the ball in the box, and he does beat his man. And it's just that little corner, that right hand corner of the pitch. If I was a manager, I'd just say, look, you you can play within twenty meters by ten meters in that corner. There's no point you doing anything else. Did it and just let him crack on. That'll help his confidence, and it. You're at everything apart from just doing this. But one thing. It's still what infuriates me is just his, his decision-making when passing. He does too much sometimes when he should just play the simple ball still. But granted, he has looked all right on the right-hand side when he's come on in recent weeks as a decent outlet. I do agree with Dan on that, really. So, yeah, I, I think he's, you know, 
I, I was quite surprised when he brought Costa and Cavon. I know he sort of just went to, to bring the two wingers on, but I thought he probably might have done enough to come on before them. And as it happened, he came on with, what, 10 minutes to go and got the assist for the winner. So, yeah, Equalizer. I think uh, I keep keep doing that every week. You know, every time like we a come, winner. <laughs> every time we come from behind later on, I think we've won. Because really, we have won, and football is the winner. <laughs> Harry, you look a little bit subdued there. Just what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, on Traore, right, I like him. It's a shame that, as you mentioned there, he's not the best on the ball. But the pace of the lad, and he can turn the game. Like when we're attacking, he gets the ball. He can make things happen. And if he, if Nuno can somehow get into a, improve on his crossing and on his just decision making and things like that, we've got a real player on our hands. And I think it's quite harsh the criticism he gets. And there's always a scapegoat in every team. And at the moment, if it ain't Costa, because everyone's forgetting about Costa now, he's been that bad. He's lose, leaving everyone's memories. Traore is the scapegoat at the moment, and I feel sorry for the lad. And I like him, and I hope he improves and I hope sometime he can get into the team. On that point, do you think it's because he's playing out wide? Do you think he would be better utilised down the middle, if at all? Nah, he's way better Absolutely out not. wide for me. He's, he's out wide. Yeah. He's a winger. He's a winger. Not, not for the middle. That's my don't, opinion. Yeah, I completely don't, I, agree. I think he's been he's most, be effective, most effective in recent weeks when he's played on the right-hand side as a winger, and that's the position you have to use him in, I think, now, because we've seen it, it can and has worked recently. So don't start playing him down the middle out of position again because, you know... Albeit sometimes he's had to play against, you know, Man City when we're down to 10 men in the middle and, uh, you know, still still gave a half decent account for himself then, I thought. But yeah, if he's a winger, play him as a winger and he, he's got a big part to play in the rest of our season. Do you think, though, when he plays with Doherty, who is at the top of the pitch as, as much as he is at the back of it, is that, that they're two similar players? Yeah, but obviously with what we've been playing at the moment, we've had the two strikers up there, haven't we? But because he, he, it weren't really working, he did go back to the old tactics, didn't he? With the two wingers and Jimenez from the middle. But yeah, I'll, I'll get your point. When Traore's there, Doherty's always bombing down that wing. so And that's where Traore likes to hog. But he's just got to get, get more game aware, hasn't he? He's got to be more aware of his surroundings and that. I'm just trying to think how the goal was created because it was sort of like a one-two and Traore then got round the back, didn't he? Yeah, it was like a looping cross, obviously. But, yeah. Um, yeah. We did well, it was headed. It was it was headed out, wasn't it? And then he took it round and looped it in. But what I will say is the amount of chances we had. You think of Doherty's header? I think the lad might have got his foot to it, but Jimenez's header as well. When I think Traore created that one, when he like spooned it wide of his head. So we had enough chances, but uh, the heading finishes weren't very good. And first half, it, it, just, it felt to me like we weren't shooting much. And I remember one when Jimenez, you know, when he like cut in, he took him on and then cut in and it went straight at the keeper and he parried it out, but. It was weird because I thought Jimenez had his quietest game in a while, but you know you're not going to criticise him for that. He's been absolutely flying. He's going to have an off day. But in front of goal, it just wasn't there, was it? But we got the draw. So, do, do we need to start looking a bit at it of, of why we are not very good against crap teams? <laughs> they're not a crap That's team. Just I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Newcastle aren't a crap team. We knew they weren't a crap team for when we played them away. Which that game, although we won, could have gone either way. They've improved massively in recent weeks. Do you think where, where they were at the start of the season? Like they they were like rock bottom and couldn't win a game. What did they? you see that was brilliant there? They contained Rondon. On, they contained on midfield really well. I thought like they contained on midfield really well and they and that's what they do. That's what I was going to move on to is the fact that people just hassle our midfield and don't let us get the ball out wide too easily and don't stand yeah, up. Yeah, Bayless. If you're the, if you're the Newcastle manager, right, you're not going to come to Wolves and try and play against us, are you? We've got, we're the better team on paper. So Benitez yeah, has got to set right. up like that. If if they set up to attack us, that'd be ridiculous. We'd have spanked them four 0 So you've got to give them credit for what with the facilities they've got. Because Mike Ashley don't give them no money. They've come and done a job on us. Really, I know we got the draw in the end, but they nearly got all three points. And it was great management, and their resources are limited. And Benitez is an incredible job for them. If it weren't for Benitez, they'd probably be in the Championship now. So it's, it's regard. Regardless of how they set up, it doesn't matter. There are clearly better teams and worse teams. And if someone comes and sets up and does a good job on you, fair play to them. But as a team that are 7th and not 17th, we need to know how to beat that system of football. That's been our problem this year. Team, We are a better team than Newcastle. So we should be. We need to learn how to turn over Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, Huddersfield. We need to learn how to play against that style of football. You know, that, right, let's shut them out. That's where Wolves are struggling. But do you not think it's, it's better? Do you not think if we played that game if six games into the season, we'd have lost 1-0? Probably, yeah. Because I, I, I kept thinking, we look dangerous every time we put a cross into the box. You could tell that they did, they've did. they obviously bad, bad for set pieces and the keepers on low on confidence. Because every time we had, I know we had an abundance of corners, but every time it looked like we could win a header or get a chance or Bolly was making a run and it looked like he, we could win something. And I just thought we were going to run out of time. But if we kept doing it, 
for kept on doing it, kept on doing it, putting balls in. I thought we would score eventually, and eventually we did. So rather than just let the game peter out, at least we carried on and got a point when previously yeah. we wouldn't have. What I will say is, I mentioned Crystal Palace game earlier after beating Spurs. The Crystal Palace game, we, we were terrible, weren't we? We didn't even attack hardly, yeah. tried any chances. At least this game, we were struggling. We weren't playing very well. We were struggling against their tactics, but we were creating chances. So we have improved in that sense. But like Bailey says, we have got to try and find a way to break these sort of teams down. Because if we had to sort that out this year and we can sort it out for next year, think how many points we'd have extra now if we could have sorted exactly. that out. We'd be bloody flying up there. I'm only saying it off the back of the point that against the likes of your Man City's, your Tottenham's, your United's, Arsenal's, Chelsea's, you aren't going to pick up three points many times. It just doesn't happen. I think we've, we haven't been fortunate. We've been bloody good at what we've done, but it doesn't happen every year. You aren't going to, you can't rely on six, 12 points from those five, top five, top six teams. And I think Wolves' ability going forward especially as we're pretty much at our top level at the moment until we go that next one further and try and go for the top six, is to start picking up points from those lower teams. And there is clearly an issue with how we do it. Now, I'm not having a moan about the Newcastle game. I thought we played all right. Should have scored more than one. But we aren't doing it, and we aren't doing it consistently enough that we probably need to have a look at how we go about it. The whole point is is a good point, but when you say that we need to find out how to play against these so-called lesser sides, is it because we are that good about against the better sides and when you say that those results against those top six sides won't come around very often if our ace in our hand is playing against the so-called better sides then what makes you think that those results won't come around more often well if you think about it we beat West Ham we beat Everton so they were they're a similar sort of team yes they're a bit better than Newcastle but we've shown we can do it it's just doing it all the time and I don't want to start sounding like we're a bit too negative we got accused of that last week didn't we we are having an incredible season we're 7th we're doing better than I thought we'd do I thought we'd be like around the 11th mark so it's been an incredible season so far but it's okay just to point out things we can improve on but I don't want to sound negative all of a sudden we are having an incredible season we've got an incredible team just little things that need to be tuned where we could actually take the next step and be right up there on that note of negativity can we just talk about the goal we let in and thoughts on that please oh yeah I mentioned that earlier one thing I was off the back of hat Harry is if we did only talk about the uh, if we did only focus on positives and and not create any conversation on the points that people are saying that we moan too much the podcast will be about three minutes long <laughs> you'd be able to listen to having a poo instead of driving to work so the, the thing is is with, with that is is that is football and if you listen to a Manchester City podcast or a Barcelona podcast or Arsenal a prime example a team that it's consecutive seasons for like 20 years got into the Champions League have a can have a whole YouTube fan TV channel based on idiotic, depressing, negative comments. And that is funny though. What, but it's funny, but it also raises the debate as well, because you can talk about how good it is if, if it is good and that, and that's fine. But I think to, to generate some debate and people will argue with that, I think that's a good thing. And also just listen to Nuno because after they've won a game, do you think they go into training on Monday and say, oh, we're brilliant. They say it was good, but then they also say, look, we can work on this, 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 and we need to work on this, this, and this and improve. So the fact we're striving for this constant improvement, it's not not necessarily a negative thing. It's that we know how good we are and we can do better and we're having a great season. But on that note, what do we think of the goal we let in? It was a terrible by Patricio. We've said that earlier. He kicked it out of play and then he just had a bad night at the office. You know, um, he, he anticipated the, the Hayden shot to go the far corner and it's got on near and he's parried it in unfortunately goalkeeping error as simple as that so, the pass was a good pass as well the def- our uh, Bolly stepped up and it just he just sliced the line at exactly the right moment and it, it caught well the attacker got in a good position to, to have, get his shot off and it, we just stepped up it was just a it's one of those things that happens in football the thing that annoyed me it wasn't so much the goalkeeping bit it was, it was that, that ball and just how obvious yet easy it was at the same time and they caught us out on it and obviously again we're being critical but so who's in goal the next game John Ruddy Will Norris um, Will Norris I think isn't it yeah. Patricia <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's Nino Nino on the equaliser I didn't see the images yet I don't judge the, the work of the race because it's so difficult it's so hard mm-hmm. and if he didn't see if he can see the goal because in his mind he saw that it was, was a good goal they are so well prepared they, they must decide in one second and if this, the decision that he makes before seeing the images I'll always support it, of it 
There you have the uh, Arsene Wenger school of answering a question. Just say you didn't see it yet <laughs> and uh, we'll try hopefully move on as quickly as possible. Who was a standout player for Wolves? Who was the man that made it all tick? It's got to be Matinho for me. Matinho is brilliant and I thought Johnny had a good game as well. But if I had to pick one of them, Matinho is my man in the match for us. I feel a bit bad for Matinho as well. He got kicked in the air a couple of times. I thought like Dendonka was on a great game and then he got took off. So I don't know if I was watching it through different eyes or not but it's a hard one really because um, you could argue like just that Bolly was at fault for letting the goal in but then you know showed great passion to go and get the the, the equalising goal I, I don't know man yeah, Jimenez and both Jota had mediocre nights by their standards so it's a tough one really here is Matinho we fight until the end uh, and after we, we create opportunities to, to score one, two or three goals but uh, that doesn't happen we continue to try it and in, in the last minute yes because we try it all the game and we deserve that draw and we need to continue to work and improve and win our games one thing you have to say is that something that we probably haven't seen for a very long time pre-Nuno is that fight until the end which is just fantastic to see isn't it Harry when you see people still bombing it down the pitch at 90 minutes they never say die at attitude as well it's just fantastic to watch and you feel like you're getting your money's worth when you see that yeah definitely and you think of the amount of late goals we've got this year like it's there's so many we will always fight to the end and that's all you can ask for isn't it as a fan so we're never out of it but I, I must admit I didn't think it was coming against Newcastle but it did and uh, you think of the away game obviously we've got a late goal there and there's been a few of us like West Ham so it's brilliant to see and um, it's a good attitude to have I think it's six goals now in 90 plus minutes and we're top of that table when it comes to late goals after the technical last minute Jack for you it's kind of like Man United used to be back in the day under Fergie isn't it and you think are they doing it is it just lucky or is it time or is there something in it and if you do it that many times there probably is something in it that we're it's but I don't think we earned these goals literally in the last few minutes we do it by the way we play and the fact we've tired the defences out in the previous 90 odd minutes so this is why we score so many goals in the second half is that we can run them ragged in the first half and then as they get tighter and tighter and bring on likes of Traore and Cavalero, whoever, you know, it's very hard and ha- harder and harder to play against with, with weak legs, which is, I think, why we're seeing this abundance of late goals. Perfect. OK, that completes the Newcastle game. Let's get your away perspective. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Joined now by Dan White, lifelong Bristol City fan. And also, Dan, you're the man with the keyboard in the tunnel at Ashton Gate. Yes, well, it's a clipboard rather than a keyboard. I'd say I'm not playing any tunes in the tunnel. Um, But yeah, yeah, I'm the floor manager at Ashton Gate now, as of two games ago. Um, So it's my job. You'll see like the the VTs and the big screens um, to keep everything running before the game and at halftime, really. Now let's talk about your side. To begin with, won your last eight in all competitions. You have to go back to the 24th of November for last defeat, which was a 2-0 defeat by Leeds. Now, Bristol City are going to win the league, aren't you? Still got to get Norwich away, Leeds at home, Sheffield United away, Middlesbrough away, Albion at home, all in around the playoffs in those top two spaces. Win or lose, win the league, right? <laughs> well, I think you're thinking a bit too far ahead. I'm not actually. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not really uh, at that point yet where I'm starting to believe. I still think there's going to be a, some sort of hurdle that we can't uh, quite overtake at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a really good time, isn't it? Like you say, we haven't lost since November. Um, and it's, it's quite unbelievable. There's only one team that's won every game in 2019, and that's us. Fantastic stat, isn't it? And when it comes to the FA Cup, obviously it is the magic of the Cup in these situations, and I think it's going to be a fantastic tie. How are Bristol City going to line up for this one, do you reckon? Well, in my opinion, um, I think Johnson will make changes, because he, like we say, we, he has got one eye on staying in that top six now. Um, but at the same time, this is a great chance for City to win some silverware. Silverware. We had a great run in the Carabao Cup last season. Um, so, yeah, the chance to do it in the FA Cup as well. So it's likely that we'll see the, the full-backs change, uh, I think. So we'll probably see uh, Lloyd Kelly, who people may have heard about. He was linked with uh, Liverpool, I think, uh, in January. So he's quite a good prospect. He'll probably start a left-back. Um, and possibly Jack Hunt at right-back, which is a, a change from the norm. And it, our defence has been so good, um, but he may well change that up as well with centre-backs. Like, we've got Adam Webster... Um, and uh, Thomas Callas at centre-back. So he'll probably change that too. Going forward, we haven't got much choice really than to play Famara Gigi, I think. We've had Andy Vyman uh, go off against QPR, who's uh, our second-choice striker. So it's it's probably going to be Famara Gigi and I expect Matty Taylor up front. Now, Wolves have a real problem with former strikers and former players overall actually scoring against them. So uh, it's good that Vyman may well 
not play in this game or at least start. He was, of course, an FA Cup hero for Wolves against Liverpool a couple of years ago now at Anfield. How are you approaching Wolves? How will Lee Johnson approach Wolves in this one? Wolves haven't been lower than 12th in the Premier League since August. Yeah, I mean, with caution. Absolutely with caution. I think the chance of... We're 15 unbeaten in all competitions. Um, for me, I think this is our toughest test yet to keep that run going. Like you say, I think you guys are sitting in 7th at the moment. Um no tougher test than Wolves right now. Uh, Johnson will be keen to try and uh, showcase some more of those that, that tactical genius, I want to say. Let's not go too far. But um, <laughs> some of that tactical now that he's got against a, a Premier League side again. Um, but this is going to be a, a really tough test. Ashton Gate will be rocking. The Wolves fans will be in full voice. It's unfortunate that it's a Sunday afternoon that this game takes place. But what do you think our atmosphere is going to be like? Well, great, I hope. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, the chance for a Premier League side to come around doesn't come very often. Um, I think we'll be close to sold out, I would hope. Um, like you say, it's a Sunday afternoon, so it does change people's plans from the regular uh, Saturday 3pm kickoffs. But um, yeah, it should be a good atmosphere. Hopefully Wolves bring, bring plenty <laughs> of fans, and that's what makes the best atmosphere at Ashton Gate, really. We had a really good atmosphere uh, against uh, Swansea, and uh, you, you know, it's only, it's only a good thing when the, the, the away teams bring loads of fans. So hopefully um, you guys you know, come in numbers. Now I have to ask, and most people don't like doing them, but score prediction, Dan, neck on the line time. Well, for me personally, I do think our run will come to an end. I think Wolves are going to get this one. But 2-1, I think we'll make it tough for you um, because, you know, we are on a bit of a roll ourselves. But ultimately, I think um, class will prevail and uh, Wolves will. It pains me to say it, we'll get the win, I think. So a 2-1 scoreline, the same result as obviously last time Wolves played at Ashton Gate, December 2017. Oh, I remember that one. What a fantastic game. <laughs> Do you know what? Looking back on it now, yes, it was. Do you know what I mean? Having, now that the season's finished, I can look back on it. What a fantastic game for the neutral. Right in the last minute, wasn't it? I think uh, ahead of right mm. in the last minute that ultimately, I think, killed our uh, challenge with you guys for, for promotion in the end. We went on a really bad run after that. I mean, we did end up playing, you know, the Man Cities and that sort of stuff in the in the in the meantime, in the middle of that run, but really dropped off the pace and ended up finishing 11th. So hopefully, once this game is out of the way, that won't happen again for us. I hope that it's not, you're not putting a curse on us. <laughs> well, Dan, best of bad luck for the weekend. <laughs> uh, we look forward to the game and thanks for talking to the 77 Club. No worries. Thanks, the Dan. away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Well, we all want to go big in the cup, don't we? And I know we're all going to say, got to play that strongest side. I guess nobody has changed their tune on that one. Dan, you've got your hand up. Yeah, we've got to play our strongest team because they are a good team. He's absolutely bang on. They've had a fantastic run. They're a good side and I'm particularly worried. I think we've we've gone off the back of a couple of performances where we could have been slightly better. Um, it's, we've just got to try and show ourselves a little bit more and play that football we know Wolves can play go and do what we did like at Tottenham. And it'll be interesting to see because Bristol City do play football and they are a better team in their league, which means they'll come out and attack. And if they do do that, then I think we'll have the quality to beat them. It's if if the role reversal happens and they shut up shop, are we going to do what happened against Huddersfield, Cardiff, Newcastle? Harry, as an 11, are Bristol City the strongest 11 we'll have faced in the FA Cup this season? Yeah, I think they are because obviously Liverpool... Played a lot of weak players for their, you know, in their squad. So I'd say so. It's a really tough game going away to Bristol. As we know, we say it all the time. The FA Cup throws your league status out the window, really, and they'll be up for it. They'll fancy that they can beat us, I think. And I'm worried. I'm worried about this game. I think a lot of our fans just think we're going to go there and win. And I hope the players don't think that. I hope the players are really up for it and know they've got a good test on their hands. And as we know, if we play to our best, we should wipe the floor of them. To be honest, but. Let's see what Nuno picks and let's see how they perform. Jack, shaking your head. I don't even know if it's about playing to our best, but I think it's just a lot of it will just depend on the team selection straight away. Because obviously I think we should go there and play our strongest team, but more likely than not, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a similar team to the one that played against the Shrewsbury game that we got through, or you know, as a starting lineup. So then I definitely would be worried. The only thing that's potentially in our favour is obviously they've been on a great run now. Will they be starting to think, hang on, do we really need the extra games here? Because we are mounting a promotion challenge and maybe that'll be at the back of their minds. But at the same time, they're footballers and they're going to want to test themselves against the best in front of a home crowd. So it's a massive, massive banana skin. And I know 
I agree with the other guy's sort of sentiments that I think some Bulls fans might be underestimating this, but this is a tough game, man. Dan, I think it's six days between um, the FA Cup and Premier League games. This is a sort of no-excuse territory, isn't it? Plenty of time. He can pick his team. They can work on it in the training ground. It's got the making of Wolves coming and showing exactly what the best their best qualities and proving that we've progressed from championship and not just gone up one level but we are now miles above and do that against a team at the top of the championship it'd be great to see us go and do it but as everyone's sort of saying it's that huge huge banana skin and it does worry me I've just I want to see the first 20 minutes of us actually playing some really good strong football create one chance and then I'll uh, relax a little bit if we go there and the team comes out at, at midday and it's a, all the fringe players playing again and then by uh, by four o'clock or whatever we're out of the cup I'll be absolutely livid and I'll be really really angry and disappointed and a bit upset to be honest I don't care how good a season we've had so far this is a fantastic opportunity and I think if we go there and don't play a very very strong team not necessarily our strongest but a really really strong team it's showing a bit of disrespect to Bristol City and how well they've done lately and how good they are and we, we deserve to get knocked out Harry would you make any changes from that Newcastle game I would, no I'd start the same team I really would it, like we've mentioned six six days either side of the game and I think the team selection will show how much Nuno and the owners care about the FA Cup I think it'll it'll tell us what they think of the FA Cup if we play the strongest team I think they'll generally want to go for it if they swap it around again like have a similar team against Shrewsbury I think they just want to keep, get as many points as we can in the league so it's an interesting uh, time isn't it to see what team we do play and fans are going to be very disappointed I think if we don't play the strongest team because the fact they're taking you know three and a half thousand Wolves fans there on a Sunday morning you need to show a bit of respect to them as well I think and if we do Turn up if we do make the way down there and play a weakened team, and it's a half-assed performance, and we get knocked out. Then you know, lots of people are going to be unhappy, myself included. Perfect. Okay, uh, well, like do a score prediction. Start with you, Dan. One all. We win it in extra time. If we play the team I want us to play, I think we'll win three nil. If we play the team I think we'll play, then I think we might. Yeah, one-one draw, and then God knows who what happens after that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Jack. Strongest team, I think we'll win easily. If we play fringe players, I think we'll be three 0 down. We'll bring all the stars on and lose three two with a late surge comeback. Perfect. Okay, we'll move on then to your latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Kelly Chris Kamara. You're listening to the Seventy Seven Club, and it's unbelievable, Jeff. We have, as always, got some odds through from our partners over at FansBet.com. Get yourselves over there, check it out, sign up, pick Wolves as your team and the Wolves 77 Club as your fans partner. And any profits they make, 50% of that goes back into good causes and back into the Wolves community. So it's definitely worth having a little gamble with them if you enjoy punt. I've got three through this week, it's easy for me to say. Um, first one I've gone for, I have gone for a Raul Jimenez to score. Wolves to win 2-1, to 16-1. It's pretty good, better than I thought in all fairness. Another good one is Johnny Castro to score and Wolves just to win 18-1. to And then the one I'm going with, uh, even though it goes a little bit against what I've just said a minute ago, <laughs> ago, is Diego Jota to score and Wolves to win 1-0. It's been boosted. It was 18-1. to They have boosted it to 22-1. to That'd be unlike you to contradict yourself now, wouldn't it? It would, most definitely. And that is your betting news for this week. Jack has your ticket news as Harry gets a beer. <laughs> yeah, so as mentioned briefly, just the Bristol City game has sold out. There's a bit of a sort of row going on about allocation for that because the club haven't actually released the official amount of tickets we got. So I think they've actually sold us a bit short and we haven't got the full 4,000 we were hoping for, hence why they sold out so early. Um, sold out to on like 1,060 points, I think, something like that. So I think there may only be just over 3,000 there when we're actually entitled to 4,000, but the club haven't been able to negotiate it for whatever reason. But anyway, bottom line is it's sold out. There are still a fair few tickets left in the home end, actually, for that for people who can get hold of them I don't know if you need a Bristol postcode or whatever but um, it seems weird they won't give us our full allocation if they're not going to sell out themselves and actually hospitality tickets uh, a few people I've seen on the Mixtable and you getting hospitality tickets because they're quite reasonably priced for that game so that's also an option if you're desperate to get down there otherwise it's on BT Sport is it BT Sport 1 o'clock BT Sport 1 o'clock um Cardiff home game, that went on general sale today, but I think was sold out pretty much already on the 2nd of March. So good luck getting a ticket for that one. Huddersfield away, the midweek game, that is sold out as well, as I told you last week. 
The only other thing to report on is the upcoming game at uh, Chelsea. Chelsea away on the 10th of March. Allocation of 3,084 tickets for that. Price at £30 for adults, £23.50 for over 65s and under 20s, £23.50. Quite steep there for the kids, actually. That is currently on sale to away season ticket holders and on the points as of Saturday, starting with 1,140 and 1,120 as of Monday. That's it for your ticket news this week. Hi, I'm George Lukobi. You are listening to the Wolves 77 Club. We didn't mention the beginning of the podcast in Phil Wright, but we thought that to not mention it would be wrong. And that is the incident that happened at Molyneux midweek against Newcastle and the allegations of racism within the temporary stand and big well done for the people who reported that and uh, big well done for everybody who condemned it too because there's no place in it and, you know, politics aside, there shouldn't be politics in football and something like racism and hurling abuse at somebody because of the colour of their skin is completely outrageous and it should be kicked out. And I know work is going on to do that and the only way to do that is for the club to deal with it robustly, which at the time of recording they are doing, which is fantastic to see, but it's something that they shouldn't have to be dealing with, but they unfortunately are. And lots of Wolves fans are coming out and saying, yep, I've suffered this abuse before and... It's something we've had to deal with before. But the one positive that I think we can all take from this is the collective wall that is against this ever happening. So a big well done to everybody that stood up to it. I think there's not really much else to say because it has no place for it. And I think as long as they are dealt with, it should be a lifetime ban. I think we can probably all agree with that. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. The fact that the South Bank called the guy out according to rumour according to what's been reported to date apparently people in the South Bank turn around and pretty much told this guy get the fuck out and it's brilliant that the fans around were doing that and got him out of the stadium before the end of the game apparently he was out before the final whistle it was reported and sorted I swear Harry said it was someone in the green stand before we started Laurie Dalrymple was DMing somebody wasn't he he put on Twitter that he DMed someone who was sat behind the bloke who was being racist and he sorted it with him so fair play to that lad because a lot of people would just sit there and be quiet wouldn't they because they don't want to you know they don't want to cause a a scene and some people are afraid to stand up against things like that but yeah fair play to the lad who um, called it out and he DMed Laurie Dalrymple and They've sorted it out straight away, didn't they? So, yeah, fair play to them. Because it was, of course, as well, on the same day that Wolves announced that Molyneux would host the first Wolves LGBT supporters group, which I think sort of falls into the, the same category of, of, you know, people who are people suffering abuse because other people aren't comfortable with themselves. I mean, if if you look at the away from Wolves, look at the wider incidents lately thinking about the you know the, the Chelsea fans the instant at um Millwall. the the Arsenal uh, with the banana skin being thrown mm. and still all these things and you'd like to think it is you know I'm guessing well they have made progress on this it's not like it was years ago but there are still these sort of sections that of people that don't quite get now that football is inclusive of all and shouldn't it shouldn't matter about your race or religion who you choose to sleep with it like it it shouldn't matter if you want to come in and enjoy football and enjoy the Wolves. It's a welcoming sort of family club and that's the message that everyone's trying really hard to get across but there's still a few absolute narrow-minded idiots out there that, um, you know, give give the, the game bad press really. So the only way we're ever going to eradicate it is if people like the chap, the people that did call it out. So fair play to them and we all need to just learn that, you know, in the same position we need to stand up and do the same sort of thing. So even if your mate gets called a nonce, you've got to stand up and say something about it. <laughs> That's very true. That's no, quite right. But yeah, no. it's quite right. And we do take the piss, but it's great. It's great that the club are now acting so quickly and being more inclusive. And that's started to happen in the last 12, 18 months since Foson have really took charge. Like, there hasn't been an LGBT Wolves group, as far as I'm aware. There's been one on social media and stuff, hasn't there, Sam? But the fact the yep. club are now, are now actually promoting that and running that as an actual thing is brilliant. Like, there's been a lot of issues with race in football, and that has been going on for years and years. Yet the issue with gay people in football is still a massive taboo that needs to be sorted out. I don't think there's ever been an openly gay footballer in, in British football. Is that true? Hitzelsberger came out when he retired, didn't he? Yeah, when he retired. Yeah, yeah. Mm. too scared. Not to say too scared, but that, that could be what you say. You know, he wouldn't do it whilst he was still playing. 
Interesting point on that, though. Do you think that is due to the stick he'd get in the dressing room or the stick he'd get in the terraces? It's got to be the stands, hasn't it? It's got to be the stands. Be the stands. I, yeah. bet his, I bet his um, colleagues playing with him. Must have known. I think because Gareth Thomas, the rugby player, his mm. colleagues playing with him knew that he was gay, didn't they? Whilst he was playing. Um, but he never came out until after. But the chances are that when Hitzelsberger was playing football, the likelihood actually was within that squad, there would have been somebody else who was gay. Oh yeah, well it wouldn't have. Law of averages, law of averages, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Mm. And obviously on on BT Sport at the weekend as well, I was talking about women in football, and you know the, the abuse that those female pundits get is just unbelievable. And do you know what? I sat, I sit there sometimes watching female pundits and thinking, why are there not more like them? Because usually they speak more sense than the bloke that sat next to them. <laughs> yeah, I think the prime example. Is uh, but everyone's got their own choice of who they like, haven't they? Female or male. I, I love Alex Scott. She's everywhere at the moment. I think she's brilliant. Whenever I see her on there, and that's not because she's a woman. It's just she's good at what she says and things like that. And Graham Souness and Paul Ince, a couple of people have like kind of. I don't want to actually. I don't. I shouldn't really say that. But they kind of you know look down on her. I think. But yeah, I prefer Alex Scott to Graham Souness as a pundit. Put it that way. And that's not because she's a woman or he's a man. That's just because of what they say. No, but I think because she's a woman, I think that's people use that as a reason to not like her. Yeah. But it's really interesting because they're making the point saying that a section of football supporters will say, "What do they know? They never played in the Premier League." Yet they'll listen to people like. Uh, Jose Mourinho and Arsene Wenger, you know, two of the great managers of the last 20 years who never, ever played at the top level, yet they have this right because, yeah, they've won won trophies and they've been very good in their respective fields, but they haven't played at the top mm. top league. Jurgen Klopp is exactly the same. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it just it goes to show you don't need to, to be a great pundit. You don't have to be a great player. On that point, when Dave Edwards was a pundit for our game a few weeks ago, I don't know if any of you heard that. I thought he was really good. I thought he was yeah, very, very well spoken. Yeah. yeah, you can also be a very good player and a crap pundit like Patrick Clivert. <laughs> Patrick Clivert was terrible, <laughs> like one of the worst I've ever seen. Like Michael Owen got a lot of stick didn't he, when he first started. Well, he still does now. Yeah. And he, I love. He's obviously one of the best English strikers we've produced. There are clearly just certain people that sound like they should be good at particular jobs and aren't. Mick McCarthy commentating. Oh, yeah, there's a few. That's got the comedy effect as well, though, hasn't it, Nick? That's brilliant, man. I mean, when he couldn't pronounce the names, that was just genius. <laughs> so, I don't know names, so I'm just good at set numbers. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> to be fair, I saw it on Match of the Day as well. When we played Shrewsbury in the first leg, a woman commentated over our game on Match of the Day, and on Twitter, a lot of people were just like, I can't watch it because a woman's commentating. <laughs> the thing is, with Match of the Day, pathetic. Can you imagine being um, Sean... Is it Sean Massey? Well, I can't. Sean no, Massey, the yeah, the line lineswoman. Unbe- I imagine the abuse she must get must be awful. Well, that's just from Richard Keys and bloody um, what's his name, Andy Gray. <laughs> Andy Gray. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It, that's that out of the way. Let's move on to this. Like the Harry's, Harry's funny, funny story. story. Yeah. So the funny story this week comes from AFC Floyd. Now, three lads. They went up to the stadium announcer and said, "Mate, our car's missing. Can you uh, just announce the?" Uh, number plate and we just want to find it so he, they give him the number plate to read out and he read it out and he said could the owner of the car with the number plate of ne one at bj please move their car <laughs> as if so, yeah he got stitched no, up he, he read it out for and, uh, it. there's a video online if you want to see it he Ouch. got absolutely stitched he read it out he fell for it hook line and sinker and the lads How? were laughing their heads off how can you fall for that man because oh, no. if you're a commentator oh. you've got to have a bit about you and yeah like I you take I'd one read that. of that <laughs> when you see it like written down, though, the when you look at it wrote down, I've got it wrote down in front of me, it does look like a genuine number plate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you'll be popping in the dressing room. <laughs> it's a twist. It's, Harry, isn't that your wife's number plate? Magic mirror on the wall. <laughs> Who's got the smallest of them all? Is it big enough to impress the ladies, or will they feel intimidated by the bloke at the urinals? His is massive, apparently. We're talking about IQs. Get your heads out the gutter, filthy animals. It's time for the 77 Club Quiz. In classic 77 Club style, we talk about inclusivity and then hammer Harry's wife about <laughs> a blowjob joke. So uh, that's good. Yeah, but good. we know, well, we know her. It's okay. <laughs> All the boys well. know her. <laughs> <laughs> oh All the lads know Marlene. Uh, okay, well... <laughs> Just before we start, before uh, we go into the quiz, Dan... 
when's your bungee jump because oh, i don't God. want I'm you just to buy the voucher oh, yeah, and never yeah. do it because pick I a date man pick a date the listeners have forgot when, don't matter when there's a bit less wind and it's not minus five. Oh, piss off come on pick a date <laughs> well i'll have to have a look but i will pick one out in the early early summer should we put a collection of dates out and uh yeah i will get it. i will get it booked in for sort of late spring early summer when it's a bit warmer Cause what year? Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you know you have to. Wrap what when the wanted. season's finished? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, because you know it get really cold and you're free falling for thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the wind speed. Uh, anyway, we will digress and pass you on to Harry, who has this week's quiz. Yeah, lad. The quiz this week is all about late goals. You've got to tell me who the goal scorer was in a certain game who got the late goal. Now, give me a quick order. Uh, me, me, Sam, Dan. Uh, there we go. Right, so you got three questions each. I'll name the game, name the result, and you've got to tell me who scored the goal. So they start off quite easy and they get harder as usual. So start off with Jack. On the 26th of January, 2019, Shrewsbury and Wolves drew 2-2 in the FA Cup. Who scored the 95th minute goal for Wolves? That would have been Matthew Doherty. Three. Nice and easy start, Luck. I won't lie in. All right, Sam next up. On the 19th of January, 2019... Wolves 4, Leicester 3 in the Premier League. Who scored the winning goal for Wolves in stoppage time? That was Diogo Jota. This isn't very going well so far. I've known the first two, so I'll definitely get this wrong. Right, Bayliss. On the 15th of December, 2018. 15th of Wolves. December, 1940. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, on the 15th of December, 2018, Wolves beat Bournemouth 2-0. Our second goal coming stoppage time. Who scored the goal for us in the Premier League this season? Clue. What? It was this season. It was a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, I just don't remember. I just don't oh, remember. I remember have a guess. And then forget. Jimenez. It was Cavalero. <laughs> Right at the end, we hit him on the counter. I can't know. tell you who scored against Everton. I haven't got a clue. Oh, bollocks. Right, Seriously? next round. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then Donker got one. Then Donker got one. That's there you go, so you can. Right, next, back round to Jack. 23rd of September, who, who 2017. It? They get slightly harder. I said Cavalera, yeah. Cavalera, oh, yours. You get slightly harder now. Well, kind of. On the 23rd of September, 2017, the Championship, Jack. Wolves beat Barnsley 2-1. Who scored the last-minute winner for Wolves in stoppage time? Oh, God, I can't remember the... 2017. This was... Was this like last season? Under Nuno, yeah. Um, late goal, wisely. Oh, Christ, I don't know. Um, Bonatini. No, it was uh, Alfred Endai. Remember that late winner? Um, and uh, and uh, oh, we did the joke oh, the, and home, the home game yeah. the home game yeah oh, okay. yeah we did the joke and everything yeah uh, right no <laughs> we did something funny yeah uh, Sam on to you on the 15th of August 2017 Wolves won 3-2 away at Hull who scored the late winner for Wolves uh, I think oh it's one of the strikers I know that much and I think it was actually, I think it was one of Nua Dicko's last goals before he went to Hull. Very go good. With Very good. Yeah. Nice. Nua Dicko. He left right after. Very good. Played. Right, Bayliss. Pass. <laughs> this one's fucking... Well, I might, I might as well... Uh, you don't want to read it out? No, go on. I'm only joking. 10th of December, 2016. <laughs> Wolves drew 4-4 with Fulham at home. We equalised last minute. Who got the goal? Dave Edwards. Yeah. What? No, it was actually a guess. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good yeah. guess. Um, right, so going into the last set of questions, Jack's on one, Sam's on two, and Dan's on one. So let's see how pressure here out. now. You've got a tiebreaker, Harry. I can't believe I got. I didn't think of him die. We'll see. Right. Jack, for you, they're hard, these ones. Not I made these really hard. On the 8th of October, 2007, Wolves beat Cardiff... Uh, Wolves beat Coventry, sorry, 1-0 in the dying seconds with a late goal. Who scored Wolves' goal that day? Oh, 8th of October, 2007, 1-0, whenever Coventry. Stoppage time were... Stephen Elliott. It was the one and only Neil Collins right at the end. Neil Collins. I remember that quite well, that one. Right, Sam, you're uh, pretty much safe, but to extend your lead. 
So this one's a bit of a different one, a bit of a out of the ordinary. In the big famous game, when we beat Charlton 3-2 away, when Carl Henry got the late winner, who equalised for Charlton in stoppage time? to put them 2-2 before Carl I Henry got the winner. I think that's Leroy Leeton. Oh, good one. Oh, yeah. my God. That's a great... He, took, he was pulling he, he his, his shirt, shirt off, didn't running he? Running yeah. in the crowd, wasn't he? Yeah. That was a... Uh, Sam, you got a full house. Well done. God, how do you full remember house, things bingo. like that? So, Dan, if you get this, Jack's lost. If you don't, we'll have to go to a tie. To be fair, Bayliss, I deserve to lose after not getting undie. On the 19th of March, 2016, Bayliss. In the last 2016 question, you got it right, so you never know. Wolves drew 1-1 away at Burnley. Who got the late equaliser for Wolves in the last minute? Sacco. <laughs> it was a, a late header from Danny Bath. Ooh. Right, means we need to go to so, a tiebreaker. Tie and I haven't got one. Excellent. So, yeah. Which Premier League winner's father played rugby for Wales? Ryan Giggs. Correct. Well done, Jack. Very good. And uh, on the quiz. So Dan is way in front. So Dan, you might have to do your bungee and then just hope that you get a second one out of it. <laughs> just get back up and do it again. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Just go be like on the slides when you're a kid. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, your pundits this week have been Harry Mansell. Thank you, everybody. FA Cup dream still alive. Dan Bayliss. Goodbye, Wolves fan. And Jack Williams. FA Cup quarter-final draw. Good game, good game, good game. The 77 Club. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.